So today we are going to be in Genesis chapter 22 as we kind of continue our walk through the Bible stories of our youth. Right, we're going to kind of dance around a little bit through the just through different scriptures. So I would encourage you guys to, if you have a pencil and paper, kind of write some of the stuff down. Um, I'll have the scripture references on you. I won't have the verses itself, but I'll have the um, the passage where it's at as we go back and forth in it. Um, I may not read all of them, but you can see where it's linked to because that's important for you guys to know where we're getting the information. Um, there's a couple of them that it's not linked to a specific spot, but it's just kind of the general knowledge that as we've read through the Bible, it's all there without putting in exact spots. So let's start off with reading Genesis chapter 22. So after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, here I am, he answered. Take your son, he said, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Morah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains I will tell you about. So Abraham got up early, early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took, took with him two of his young men and his son Isaac. He split wood for a burnt offering and set out to the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. The boy and I will go over there to worship, and then we'll come back to you. Abraham took the, took the wood for the burnt offering, laid it on his son Isaac. In his hand he took the fire and the sacrificial knife, and the two of them walked on together. Then Isaac spoke to his father Abraham and said, My father. And he replied, Here I am, my son. Isaac said, The fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. Then the two of them walked on together. When they arrived at the place that God had told them about, Abraham built the altar there, arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on the top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out, took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He replied, Here I am. Then he said, Do not lay a hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your only son from me. Abraham looked and saw the ram caught in the thicket by its horns. So Abraham went and took the ram of an offering and offered it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. And Abraham named that place the Lord will provide. So today it is said it will be provided on the Lord's mountain. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn this is the Lord's declaration. Because you have done this thing, and have not withheld your only son, I will indeed bless you and make your offering as numerous as the stars of the sky and sand on the seashore. Your offspring will possess the gates of their enemies, and the nations of the earth will be blessed by your offspring, because you have obeyed my command. Abraham went back to his, to his young men, and they got up and went together to Beersheba. And Abraham settled in Beersheba. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you once again, Father, for giving us these stories of old, Father. Giving us these stories that we just can't imagine, we can't make up, Father, in the ways that you do things, in the ways you speak through the men so long ago, Father. I pray that as we seek to understand, Father, that you will give us wisdom and you will give us knowledge and help us see what your glory is in all these things, Father. We just praise you and we love you. In your name. Amen. <clears throat> 
All right, so have you ever had something that you just really loved? Like it, you waited for a long, long, long time and you just, you finally get it? A toy or a new car or something like, right? That thing that you just, you crave for a long time, you finally get it and it's there. And then somebody calls you to give it away. Right? That would how hard would that be? And this is where Abraham is, right? He waited a long time to have a son. And we went through it last time. He even tried to do it his own way and caused issues for us later on. But now he's over a hundred years old and he finally had a son, Isaac. And God said, Take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him for me. And so Abraham, what did he do? He immediately obeyed, right? The next day, he got up and he went out and followed God's plan for him. That's kind of where we're going to pick up here. And so, today's sermon is sacrificial love. And it's the paralleling Isaac and Jesus. Uh, there's a lot in common with these stories here. Um, so Romans 8.32 says, He did not spare his own son, but offered him up to us for all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? So he spared, his, he spared not his own son, but offered him up to us, right? That's, that's God, um, Paul talking about God with Jesus, right? God sent his son down to die for us and offered him for a sacrifice for us. Because we needed a sacrifice. Okay. So I have, let me see, I have 10 parallels between Isaac and Jesus here. 10 different things where they're in common. The stories kind of line up for us as we can kind of see God's glory working through this in the Old Testament, showing what he's going to do in the New Testament. So the first thing is, is Isaac and Jesus both fulfilled promises. So in Genesis 15, 45, um, God promised Abraham a son, or Abram at the time a son. He said, you're going to have a son. The lineage is going to be long, behind, numerous as the stars. It took a while, but it was, the promise was fulfilled. And then in Genesis 3, 15, we'll read that one here. Let me get there. Genesis 3, 15 says, I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And he said, they, um, so the seed that he's talking about is Jesus. He's going to strike Satan down. He's going to strike sin down its core. All the way back in the time of Adam and Eve, he said, I'm going to send you, there's going to be somebody to strike the serpent down. And that was, that was Jesus. And so he was the promised Messiah at the time. The second thing we see is they were both miracle babies. Right? I have my number wrong on here. Sarah was over a over 90 years old, not 100. I put the wrong number for some reason. But that's okay. I make mistakes. I'm not perfect. This Sarah was over 100 when she finally had a, had her child. Mary was a virgin. We could go back and read that. We're not going to read that scripture. We all know that story of Mary being a virgin and God calling and said, but I have 
I haven't been with a man. I'm not married. I can't do this. And the angel said, God's going to take care of it. God has a plan. So we see both of them are miracles in their own sight. One a bigger miracle than the other, right? Uh, Jesus, Jesus was more miraculous than Sarah. But even then, we think about it. Anybody here want to have a baby when they're 90? Any, any takers? How about 70? No? Nobody wants to do that, right? But Sarah finally had her baby. She was over 90 years old before she had it. So very miraculous in that. Next thing we see is both, both were only sons and were loved by their father. Okay, we saw this in Genesis 22 too. Where it said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah. Okay. So God's kind of, God said, your only son Isaac, take him and go to the mountain. Okay. And John 3.16 says, I'm read it so I don't butcher it, because I do that every once in a while. Even though I, we all have it memorized, right? Says for God loved the loved the whole loved the world in this way, he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. So they both gave their only son. They were both the only son that the father had in this passage, as we see this. So we see that parallel linking those two together again, right? And kind of this test of faith. The next thing was we see is they both went from peace to sacrifice. So Abraham went from Bathsheba up to Mount Morah where he was set to be the sacrifice. Right? It was very peaceful. He had, they had a good life going on. Nothing was bothering him down there in Bathsheba. All was going good until God said, go, take him up to be a sacrifice. Jesus, he went from heaven you couldn't get more peaceful than that, right? So he came down to the earth, but then he went to the cross to be sacrificed. So he went from a, time, a place of peace in their life to becoming the sacrifice. The next part we see is they both had a three-day experience. So it took three days from, and we read that in the passage, so they left on, God called Abraham to go. He left the next day. And it took three days before they got to the, where they were at and they did the sa sacrifice. Jesus, however, spent three days going from the cross to the grave to resurrection, thankfully. Right? And those three things are very important, right? The cross, the grave, and resurrection, those are the most important things we have. I mean, the death is the most important part, is the second most important part of Jesus' life. The resurrection topping it, right? Without those two things, salvation wouldn't even be possible. So, so thankful for that. Uh, the next part we see is they were accompanied by two men. So we saw in um, Genesis 22, 3, when Abraham gathered together to all stuff, he took two young men with him in the traveling. Right? And then we know that in Matthew it says Jesus died with two thieves on, on his side. Uh, we all know that story. One didn't believe in who Jesus was. One did believe. And the one who believed, he said, this, is, this man has done nothing. 
to yourself, today you'll be with me in paradise, right? So greatness there. The next thing we saw is they, they both carried their own wood. Did you guys catch that when we read that in uh, 22.6? Genesis 22.6? So Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and laid it on his son Isaac. And so Isaac had to carry the wood up the mountain for himself. And as we look in John 19, says carrying his own cross he went out to what is called the skull place which in Hebrew is called Golgotha so Jesus had to carry his own cross which was made of wood also couldn't imagine carrying my own device that's going to be where I'm sacrificed but that would be hard to do in today's term, that would be like being the one to set up the gurney at the, uh, the execution room, setting up the gurney, putting up all the medical equipment, putting those, you know, they're doing all the work yourself to get it set up in order for you to be executed. And that's what Jesus did. He carried his own execution equipment to where he was going to be executed. Isaac was carrying the wood that was going to burn him up, up the mountain. Scary thought, isn't it? The next thing we see is both submitted to their father. Genesis 22, 9. When they arrived at the place that God told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged the wood. He bound his son Isaac and placed him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, I don't think that Abraham, being over 100 years old, and Isaac being probably a teenager at the time. I don't know as though Abraham could have bound Isaac up very easily by himself without submission, right? And so Isaac freely submitted to being bound up and being placed on the altar because he obeyed his father. He freely chose to do that and said, I, I love you, Father. I'll do what you ask me to do without understanding what was going on. Probably a very scary time in his life. Um, and then we see in Luke chapter 22, verse 42. It says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. So at this moment, Jesus had a choice when he was standing in the garden of Gethsemane. We all remember that story. Yeah, I'm sure he knew the pain that was coming the next day. He knew what was happening. He knew the order of events was going on. And he's there. He's worried about the pain and the suffering and knowing that he's going to take the sins of the world on him and how hard that's going to be. And he said, Father, if there's any other way, please take this cup away from me. But if there's not, your will be done. I'll do as you ask. You know, lay myself down as a sacrifice. Uh, he could have, he could have ran away. He could have done his own thing. 
I said, if this is what you want, God, Father, I will do this for you. I'll do this for Charles. Because in 2000 and the 1990s, he's going to need me. He's going to know who I am as a nine-year-old. He's going to need to know that I love him and that I want to save him. Right? He said, I'll do this freely on my own. All right, and then next we look at Isaac needed a lamb. However, Jesus was the lamb. All right, Isaac needed a substitute. Isaac needed somebody to save him. He had something to be put in place for him. And so when he's laying on the altar, bound, as Abraham takes the knife, Thankfully for Isaac, an angel appears and says, Stop. Stop. I see your faith. Abraham, I see that you trust me with your son, with your only son. So stop. Unbound him. The ram is over there. The lamb that you need to sacrifice is there. The substitute is waiting for you in the briars. For us, our substitute's Jesus. For us, we're like Isaac. We're waiting there. Without Jesus, we would be the one sacrificed to, eternal, to, to eternal, eternity in hell. But because Jesus was the Lamb, He was our substitute. And so we see in John 1.29. says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Here is the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world. Right? So while Isaac, like us, he needed a substitute. He needed a lamb to come in. And be the sacrifice for him. So did we. Thankfully we had Jesus who was the lamb of the world. To come and take away the sins of the world. For us. As we just read he did that freely without anything else. right? He could have walked away from it. And said I, want, I don't want the agony. I don't want the pain. But he said I love you guys too much to do that. And then the last thing we see is both were brought, brought back from the dead. Isaac, figuratively, right? He never actually died. But he was super, super close to actually dying. Right? Had the angel waited a half a second, the knife would have plunged into him. Had Abraham not been listening, Isaac would have been sacrificed. So figuratively, he died and was brought back to life, right? He was in that moment of almost dying and then came back and then was brought back into the, the world living. Jesus, however, he was literally brought back from dead, right? Remember this, we all, we all know the story. We've heard it a hundred thousand times, right? He was beaten. He was mocked. 
They carried that cross and they put him up on the put him up on it. He went through all the pain. And they said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive these people that have just beaten me, spit on me, mocked me, stuck thorns in my head. Right? Sinned in the world. So forgive them. They don't know what's going on. They don't understand who I am. They understand the love that I have for them in this moment. And at that moment of death, the sin came upon Jesus. And that moment when that sin came on it, on him, the Father had to turn away. Because sin can't be in the presence of God. And at that moment, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you turned from me in this moment? And then he gave his last breath. As we read, as we read, read in it in that scripture, we go into it, we, we see a soldier that's standing there. There was one of the soldiers that may have been involved in the beatings and the crucifixion, all the struggles of it. And God, when Jesus gave his last breath, he said, that man was truly the Son of God. He saw something special with the guy that was sitting on a cross in that moment. He, they knew he'd done nothing wrong. And they saw all that. He saw that and he said, this man is the Son of God. Because at that moment, earthquake struck. Right? The temple, the curtain of the temple tore from the top to the bottom. Right? Which is great for us, right? Significance in that is we get to go to God. We don't have to send a priest in because Jesus at that moment became our high priest. So his literal death is what brings us life. His literal death and going to the cross and dying and giving away is what allows us to enter into the service with God. They, without that moment in history, without that moment of his death and that curtain tearing, this building would be useless. Because we couldn't just go to God like that. There'd be specific people that were allowed to go. And there's some... Some denominations that, that believe this idea that you have to go through a priest in order to go to God. Thankfully, I don't think that's what the Bible says. We get to walk to God because God died for us. So I'm going to make a way that you can come see me. You can talk to me so I can spend time with you. I can walk with you as I did with Adam and Eve in the garden. But that wasn't enough just for his death. Three days later, they go to check on him. They go to do the burial rites and put the all the different stuff they do on him for the dead to keep the smells from coming out of the tomb. And they get there and the door was open. The tomb was empty. And they looked and said, where is he? Man, that must have been a confusing time for everybody that walked in and saw that, right? Because they didn't have a clue what was fixing to happen in their life. They didn't realize the clue that everything was going to change in that moment. 
they they went there expecting death and they were in sadness and pain and we all know what it's like when we lose somebody we love the hurt the question of what's going on how how are things going to be how am i going to make it through these next days and just think for yourself in that moment we walk we're in that moment in that thought process and we go there and we go to the casket and we open it up and it's empty What would our thoughts be? Kind of like Mary when she said, when she saw the garden, who's stolen the body? Let me know so I can go get it and bring it back to where it needs to be. Mary, it's me. I'm alive. I have risen. Right? And so that resurrection is what makes this man different than all other men in history. It's this moment that makes it all seem alive again. Right? Without this story, these, this parallel happening, Jesus dying on the cross, we couldn't be here. We, there'd be no reason for us to be here serving and talking and fellowshipping with each other. Right? We'd have to be following all the rules in the Old Testament to maybe Maybe we did enough of it. Maybe we didn't miss a sacrifice. Maybe we didn't make a mistake that was too bad and didn't get to go to heaven. Just maybe. But it's so great because of the death, the burial, and the resurrection. There is no maybe. You can know clearly today where you stand for eternity. Are you dead in sin? Right? Are you literally dead in your sins and have no hope? Or have you been raised again through the blood of Jesus Christ? Right? Have you allowed the sacrifice of Jesus, that lamb, to come in and be the sacrifice for your sins? Or are you still laying on the altar waiting? as Isaac was in that last moment before God said, stop. Where are you at today? God wants to say, stop before you die so he can substitute your death as he did Isaac's death in order that you may have salvation and go to heaven. Isaac wasn't doing all the bad stuff. He was following the rules that his dad followed. He was doing the right path. He would have been growing up in that same pattern that Abraham was. But in that moment, he was facing death. And some of us may be there today. They were laying there. We, don't have, we haven't been sacrificed for. We haven't had that replacement, that substitute of Jesus in our lives. We're taking it on our own. We're following the rules. We're doing what we're supposed to do. We look good. We, we're following and doing everything we think we're supposed to be doing. Except we have not allowed Jesus to be our sacrifice. To allow Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection to sacrifice for our death that we are facing at any moment in time. So I can't plead with you any more than Today's the day 
to make that change in your life. It doesn't matter if you've sat in these pews for 100 years, 20 years, 30 years, or five minutes. If you're still laying there on the, on the altar without being substituted for, there's no more dangerous place to be right now. So it doesn't matter if you're one day old or 125 days, 125 years old. You may not have the next breath to make that choice. You may not have the next breath to say, Jesus, be my substitute. Be my king. Take my place. And so I urge you today to ask Jesus that. Ask him to substitute for you where you cannot. And it's very simple. You have to ask him. And then he'll ask you to change things. But you don't have to change things before in your life. He'll change your habits after. He doesn't expect us to come to him perfect. He says, come to me. I'll be your substitute. And then we'll work on the change. Then we'll work on changing your life to make it more holy. But the first step is he has to be a part of your life. He has to substitute himself in for your sins so that you can have glory and grace. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you. Father, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for sacrificing yourself so that we can have life. Father, we thank you for giving us the grace that only you can give. Father, we don't deserve it. We don't deserve your love at all. We push so hard against your kingdom and your will, but yet you still keep coming to us and seeking us and asking us to change. And Father, you keep forgiving us when we do you wrong. Father, we praise you today. Father, as I pray for each person here, Father, that you will check our hearts and change our thoughts and convict us of the sins we have right now, Father. And if there's anyone in this room today that is laying on the altar for themselves, that you just reveal that to them, Father, and give them the courage, Father, courage to stand up and say, I want Jesus to be my sacrifice. I want Jesus to take my place because he loves me so. In your heavenly and holy name.